Hello, this is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from November 7th, 2021, entitled, The Life That Christ Poured Out for Us. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. Our scripture this morning is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 24 through 28. And if, if you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 208 in the New Testament section. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself. Now to appear in the, in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ has been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. So for those of you that are here with us this morning, I, I have to apologize. We've been on a journey through the book of Hebrews for several weeks now, specifically talking about Jesus and the language of high priest, the one that takes the offerings and the sins of all of humanity and takes it into the holy of holies and takes away our sin. And so you are a part of this journey with us this morning because as the writer is saying, in the, in the last week, we talked about verses 11 through 14. And one of those momentous acts is that Christ becomes both priest and the sacrificial offering on our behalf. And like I said last week, we're not saying that Jesus was a human sacrifice. It's the idea of what he does to represent that by his death. Jewish worship and especially the rituals and sacrifices in this moment are pale in comparison to what Jesus had accomplished in his life-yielding act for those that are, are followers of Christ. The writer of Hebrews is lifting up Jesus as a high priest as he's approached the inter -sanct inner sanctum of God once a year and on behalf of himself and the people. But there's a, there's a part to this that's, I think the writer's trying to make you understand that it's absurd to think that Jesus does this every year. You know, the phrase, one and done. The writer here is wanting you to understand that Jesus did it once so that we don't have to do this every single year. And that those sins that we've had are changed instantaneously, not tomorrow, even the ones in our past, that, that is gone is the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior. But this idea that Jesus dies once and for all and makes it so that our sin has been forgiven forever. 
Now, the writer of Hebrews is really trying to make sure that you understand that there's, I'm going to use a fancy word, okay, because it sounds cool. But there's this idea in Hebrews of an eschatology, which is the idea of the end times. And this person who's writing Hebrews is wanting you to understand that in their eschatology there's a place where you die and then you're judged. Right? This is where we as Christians have always talked about when we die there's a place of judgment and I don't know, we, we stand beside the pearly gates of St. Peter and, and he looks at us and he says all these things and, you know, and there's a book or something, I don't know. But the, the idea is that the writer of Hebrews is wanting you to understand that the judgment is not about your sin. Because that's been given up. It's gone. To take from my Baptist brothers and sisters, it's been wiped clean. So the place of judgment is, where is your true heart? What does it mean that if Jesus pours his life out for us, that when we're standing in that place, do you truly understand the sacrifice? And were you willing in your existence to make that sacrifice on the behalf of others? There's two parts to this. It's this repetition and, and in the contrast in the book of Hebrews where they go back and forth and they're wanting you to hear this over and over again that sin has been dealt with once and for all. Even after the end of the age. It's hard for us. He's using icons of their time so how does it mean for us when we say end of the ages, when we talk about our worship, our living? I think it's really important that we say this, that this is not Christ's work of salvation as an extension of, but rather than this, this idea that it's supposed to be a replacement of Jew, Jewish faith. That's, that's not an entirely true. Now the church has continued to preach that, but that's not what the writer of Hebrews is trying to accomplish. The writer of Hebrews is saying that God instituted both traditions. And both have nourished communities of faith for generations. Moses and the tabernacle. Those that were in the wilderness. And Christ becomes the, the new Mashiach for them. That his role is to take on the role of high priest for our sins. You see, it's not a new story for them. It's an old one. One that has been passed on from generation upon generation. That there will be a time that this will be all better. We've said that a lot lately, haven't we? We've said that a whole lot lately. It's fascinating to me when you talk to people about the polio epidemic. And they talk about it, this, 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 would you remember? And you talk to them and you ask them about the questions, about how did it happen? What, what was it like afterwards? And they're like, well, we didn't think anything different. We just went into this one place and this took place and this took place. But we survived. 
I remember having conversations with my grandpa about the Dust Bowl. And you could see the tears in his eyes even as he remembers his crops being washed away by the wind and the dust in northern Kansas. And then he says, you know, but we survived. You think about it even in the aspect and to not to belittle any aspect of our wars, but in the midst of it, we knew that God-awful, horrendous things took place around the world that people felt called to, in the name of the United States of America, to go and serve our countries and see horrific things be brought back and then told you have to live in society as if nothing ever happened. And in that place we failed. I think we're starting to learn from our mistakes as we try to help our veterans and help them process what they have seen, the atrocities that human beings can do upon themselves. You see, it's not too far removed from the time of Jesus. The Roman Empire were the bad guys. They were horrible. The atrocities that they would do against human beings was just God-awful. We have continued to talk about them for 2,000 years. That should tell you a little bit. And what Jesus is offering to these people that are standing up for what it is that they believe in is a, a moment of grace where the world cannot offer that. A moment of peace that the world cannot even begin to understand or fathom. Can you imagine what that world would look like, Jesus would say, when there would be an ending to war, to famine, a world ran by peace, a world ran by God's love and compassion. That's what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. That the life of Christ is poured out for us, knowing that someday, someday, this will all end. And God will be there for us and forgive us of everything. Can you imagine that, by the way? Can you just think about that for a second? I mean, I know that the church that I serve is perfect, and none of you hold grudges. You're all welcome. And I didn't get struck by lightning. So it's got to be true. Right? You, you can hear this in the writer's just angst as he's talking about this, that there's a moment that there will be a time that we don't ever have to worry about those things, those that wronged us, those that we don't know that are going to wrong us. This is what it means by the end of the age, not tomorrow. And Everybody's fascinated with I, I don't understand this. Why are we so fascinated with when it's going to happen? <laughs> you hear a lot of preachers about it right now. Tomorrow it's coming. You better prepare yourselves. You better have your heart in the right place. No, you should have had your heart right in the right place at the very beginning. Not at the very last minute. That's what the writer's talking about here. You have the chance today, not tomorrow, today, 
Jesus himself says, you're not going to know the time or the place when this happens. Why should you worry about tomorrow when you need to take care of today? Man, I don't know. It's rocket science, I guess. If Jesus' life has been poured out for us for the forgiveness of sin, and he gives us this opportunity, and the writer here is saying, he, it's not that he has to be a priest. He is one of us, and he has been lifted up because of this sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. So then why is it so complicated for us to do the same? Why is it so complicated for us to pour out our love and compassion into the world? Well, the in simple answer is, is that humans, so well, we're a little dumb. And we've got to learn from our mistakes. And we make a lot of them. A lot of them. But thank God for that, right? Because if you didn't have any mistakes, then why would it make sense to even need Jesus? Jesus is the way the truth and the light. He gives us hope in the dark days. He gives us and lifts us up into a place that no other human being has or ever will again. It doesn't mean that we have to stop trying. It means that we have to try harder. Those end of the ages that he talks about, it could be tomorrow. It could be at lunchtime. But it shouldn't matter when it happens. It should be, it, what should matter is, is right now. Otherwise, Jesus' sacrifice was for nothing. And I refuse to believe that someone giving their life on behalf of someone else to protect those that cannot protect themselves was worthless. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.